Office Hours with Dr. C. My name is Dr. Gabriel Cruz, and I am, of course, the person whose office you're visiting. Um, today, I am super excited because Barry and I are joined by a awesome guest, uh, and I'll let her introduce herself. Thank you so much. I'm so honored and excited to be here. Uh, my name is Lynette, and um, I'm a rabbi out in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And um, I love uh, Jews and comics and Jewish creators and Jewish superheroes and how all of those things uh, kind of uh, all combine. Um, and so uh, really happy to be here, be talking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that is uh, precisely why we're excited to have you on. And actually, um, so this will be part one of a two-part thing. So today we'll be talking about the uh, Jewish uh, American creators who you know were foundational in the shaping and understanding of comics. And then in our second episode, we'll talk about Jewish coding in comics because I think those are two very rich conversations that deserve their own space. So just to begin, well, let me ask you, um, Lynette, when did you get into comics? What was your avenue in? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I kind of grew up with superheroes in the air. My dad was a big fan of um, Batman, uh, the Tim Burton movies, and um, Superman, Christopher Reeve, that kind of stuff. Um, but it was really in uh, in middle school when I started watching um, Batman Beyond and X-Men Evolution, you know, those animated shows directed, you know, um, towards, I think, you know, kind of my, my age around that time. I really, really related to them. Static Shock, Teen Titans. Uh, so I'm definitely like a DC animated universe kid um along with with x-men um and then i went to my library and started pulling comics off the shelf because i was like oh these are the characters that i'm seeing you know on the screen um so that was around you know middle school high school and then i started hearing you know oh you know superman's creators are jewish oh batman's creators are jewish and then i was like oh there's like this whole a world, uh, not just of comic books and superheroes, but also this Jewish history behind it. Um, and that was sort of my, uh, my way in. Um, and then along, along with that, you know, my, my parents also really like Star Trek and Star Wars. And so that was very, it was very much, uh, kind of finding my own, my own interest within, uh, <laughs> within a very nerdy household, <laughs> which I'm very grateful for. <laughs> No, that's great. That's and and you know you talk about those shows like Static Shock, Batman Beyond. Those were shows that I got into absolutely. It was a, a weirdly good time yeah. for particularly DC, uh, but in animated you know stuff in particular. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so let's let's talk then about that element of how the Jewish creators um, worked these stories. I say worked because they were they were labors and certainly mm -hmm. labors of love where they were able to sort of reflect their own reality and their experiences, but often had to do it in a way that was flying below the radar of mainstream audiences. Yeah, absolutely. So you have um, a lot of these Jewish creators were first generation immigrants um, and their parents, you know, came from Europe, from Eastern Europe. And um, these kids and I say kids because they were maybe like in their 20s, you know, and many of them when they got started, they just wanted to be American. They just completely wanted to, to disappear um, and not have that, you know, that Jewishness, um, you know, be at the forefront. And unfortunately, anti-Semitism was really, really high uh, 1910s through the 1930s and then of of course, unfortunately, you know, continued on um, from there, but it was really, really acute at that time. And um, they couldn't go to college. There were lots of um, uh, fields of work that they couldn't, you know, go to, like a lot of comic book artists, you know, they couldn't go to um, like a graduate graphic arts school. Like that just wasn't in the cards for them because they were Jewish. Um, so a lot of the um, executives who who built, you know, DC and Marvel with with a few exceptions were Jews who were relegated to like low, low culture, what we would call now. Um, so they worked in newspapers and pulp magazines and um, uh, that kind of stuff. 
Um, and then they would hire on, you know, these uh, these writers and artists who were also Jewish. So it was kind of like uh, Jews looking out for other Jews in a in a way. Um, and then you're you're absolutely right. The these early characters, you know, Superman and Captain America, Batman to a little bit of a lesser extent, but but still, I think a little bit um, were certainly reflective of the immigration experience when it comes to you know Clark Kent and Superman with the rage against um, fascism and America's neutrality in, in World War II with Captain America. Um, the, they were certainly um, expressing how they felt as as a minority and also sending messages to the wider American public of you know this. This is what America is. This is what America stands for. Um, and ironically, through that through that expression, you know, through their through their oppression, <laughs> I didn't mean to rhyme there, but I did. Um, they created these these American icons. Like it amazes me every time I, I think about it that now that's what America stands for. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I want to focus in on a few things that you Please, said yeah. there, in particular that so this idea of Jews and this being very consistent with a lot of experiences of immigrant populations, but um, especially with the Jewish community, of being forced into less prestigious work, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So things like animation or cartoon drawing. Uh, Jack Kirby, not Jack Kirby, excuse me, Stan Lee talked about how at one point he was very embarrassed to tell people that he worked in comics. In fact, when he got into comics, it was like, oh, this will be, I'm going to be the great American author, but this is going to be like a holdover to like and sort of get my, uh, you know, up on my feet, which I think things worked out for him pretty well. <laughs> I think he did um, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't create the great American novel but he did help birth the MCU in a sense right yeah yeah so but this is the same thing was um, the case with like Hollywood for example which we often think of like filmmaking as prestigious and artistic and this that and the other but for a long time it was very much lowbrow mm-hmm. uh very sort of mundane, commonplace, pedestrian uh, entertainment that was not well thought of by many people so and of course, when that happens and you have these communities that build around each other, and like you say, it's you know immigrants looking out for other immigrants, Jews looking out for other Jews. My father, who is a Mexican immigrant, came to the country because his brothers were like, hey, come, we got work for you, you know, we can find you some work, that kind of thing. These communities looking out for each other then leave you know their thumbprints all over this art because that's what it is. And so it's, it is fascinating then to think about characters like um, Captain America or Superman or Batman who are... One of the interesting things about Batman that I think from the perspective of the creators, so Bill Finger, I believe, who unfortunately was not credited nearly appropriately for his time because Bob Kane was not a nice man um, by any stretch. Not a fan of Bob Kane over here. No, no, and that's entirely, that's appropriate. That is the correct response. Um, So, but Bill Finger, as I understand it, used to like ride the city bus all the time. And it was in part so he could get a feeling for the city that he was creating when he was making Gotham. And there's a couple interesting intersections in that. And one is that he was taking the city bus, he wasn't driving himself around, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Which uh, suggests a certain working class ethos that then informs the way in which we're introduced to Gotham. Right. And so that being, you know, a common, um, I think he was, was he first generation immigrant? I believe so, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. And that being a common experience, uh, and in particular, in you know the development of Jewish communities and and the access to mass transportation, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. as with many marginalized groups. So I think that's that's a fascinating way that we often don't consider. But the other thing that comes to mind is, and I like to work this in because it's horrifying to think about, is the 1939 German American Bund rally, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, mm-hmm. um, it was a Madison, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I looked at Barry, Barry did. Uh, uh, yeah, I interviewed a guy who made a film about it. Yeah. Right. And so that's why I looked at him. Anyway, yeah. 
So yeah, was it something like thirty thousand? Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. Was that roughly Some horrifying 30, number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, twice the size of my hometown. Amount of people in Madison Square Garden gathering there to gather for support of the Third Reich, mm-hmm. and obviously people like Jack Kirby and Joe Simon seeing this stuff, mm-hmm. and how could they not, you know, make their own home uh, homebred hero? into someone who would fight that kind of thing, right? Uh, and, and there's this story that obviously has a lot of references, uh, a lot of citations, but I wonder sometimes if it's a little apocryphal, but I like to believe it's true, and that is the story, I'm sure you've heard it, of Jack Kirby offering to fight the Nazis yes. in the lobby oh, of Timely Comics. I love this yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> right, so for the uh, for the audience at home who are not familiar, Jack Kirby was sent off to war. Yes, <laughs> yes, he actually liberated a camp, I think, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. and. Not to romanticize a traumatic event, but almost certainly killed at least one man. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Right? And, he, and he grew up on the streets. Like he grew up in, in right. street gangs. Like you know, uh, the thing is is absolutely modeled off of off of Jack Kirby. Like he was a tough guy. He was a fighter. Yeah, yeah. And so when the, these Nazis, not neo Nazis, honest to God Nazis, yeah. uh, ring him up and say, hey, you know, we want to know who's writing Captain America. You know, and show him what Nazis can really do. And he's like, all right, hold on a second. And he puts down the phone, uh, walks downstairs, you know, with his uh, sleeves rolled up and just ready to, for clobbering time, for lack of a better term. And, <laughs> that isn't the best term. <laughs> and so, and of course they're not there because they're cowards. Yes. But, and there's also these other stories about like they were getting death threats and things like that. Uh, Mayor mm-hmm. LaGuardia um, mm-hmm. is uh, thought to have like intervened and, you know, said, you know, keep writing because you're doing good work, that kind of thing. And all that stuff is happening in the background. And you may not know that when you pick up a copy of Captain America now, uh, but certainly that ethos of wanting to have an aspirational view of the United States that we see in Captain America as well as in in Superman. And what I love about it is that whether or not they're on the right side of things, the intent is always to do the correct thing. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, a very admirable and as someone who's the son of an immigrant, absolutely speaks to this sort of thing of like, all right, we're here, we have to get along, but also you can't forget, you know, these communities that you come from, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. I want to mention, I don't know if, if Simon and Kirby are the wider Jewish community were aware of this, but during that rally, a, a Jewish man broke into the rally and on the stage and was protesting and and, and he was beaten up and law enforcement enforcement let it happen. By the cops. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And to juxtapose that with like Jack Kirby just rolling up his sleeves and and uh, as you said, you know, it's clobber time, <laughs> which uh, the Jack Kirby, you know, modeling the thing after himself is just one of my favorite things. Um, but, but yeah, to really... Uh, I really see these early comics as Jewish literature, and it, it is a Jewish American literature because, like you said, I think they were speaking. Um, this is what America's values are. This is what America's about. Not just from a Jewish perspective, but from a minority perspective. And not to say that they spoke for all minorities, but to say like sure. this is not. You know, uh, we we stand against fascism. We stand against hate against all groups because America mm-hmm. is made up of minorities. You know, that's this is what we're what we're built on. And I think it's it's interesting to note. You know, a lot of people may look at Steve Rogers and not see a Jewish character, and that's mm-hmm. intentional. He was created to look, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed. Um, he was he was um, 
you know, uh, they, they wanted him to look like, quote unquote, the everyman. Uh, he was meant to inspire um, people who maybe weren't within minority groups to also stand up against fascism. Um, and I find it so so fascinating that the the doctor, uh, the, the scientist who um, creates the, the super soldier serum, you know, in, in the 60s and on, he's called Dr. Erskine. And you may recognize that from the mm-hmm. from the film. But in the early 40s, his name is Dr. Reinstein, an obvious mm-hmm. allusion to Einstein. And so, oh, you're, you know, you're also seeing, uh, okay, so a Jewish, you know, Jewish creator behind Superman, uh, along mm-hmm. with, you know, the literal Jewish, cre- or sorry, Captain America, um, and also the, the literally the Jewish creators behind him also. There's so much rage and uh, the way that they also poke fun at, at Hitler, like they pull no punches, no pun intended, <laughs> in these early <laughs> comics. They, they really, really go at him. They yeah, do what well, they can. Yeah. So for my dissertation, I did a deep dive of a handful of different Marvel characters, and one of which being Captain America. And I remember reading those original 19, I was like 1939, 1940 comics where they say, you know, Dr. Reinstein. And I read that as a German Jew. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whether or, not, whether or not that was intentional. And you know, it reminds me of something that I... I a friend of the family from years ago who was German said that people forget that the first people that the Nazis invaded were other Germans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the heartbreak then of having a, a German Jewish heritage and having to flee that country and, you know, seeing what was happening, of course, then why wouldn't you make, you know, the architect somewhat of that downfall be someone who, who lost what would have been immeasurable amount, right. right? In terms of family right. as well as personal effects and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and of course, you know, Jack, uh, Jack Kirby, Joe Simon, these are some of the foundational uh, writers later on. Um, it's I forget sometimes that like Stan Lee was a young guy at the time. Yeah, he was like 19 years old, an intern during during the 40s. Right. And I also want to mention that first Captain America issue where he's punching Hitler in the face. Like that came out a year before Pearl Harbor. Like that mm-hmm. was before we, you know, America was involved in the war. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, no, he, was, he was a young kid then. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And it was, uh, you know, so between Pearl Harbor, but also after uh, the Night of Broken Glass, yes, as well yeah, as Crystal yeah, mm-hmm. as as well as the the uh, what was it the Night of Long Knives, mm-hmm. uh, where they purged you know folks out of the out of the Nazi Party as well. Yeah. So yeah, all that sort of stuff going on, and you know that they probably heard things from their families. They did, and then um, they stopped getting letters. Yeah, right, right. Uh, that sort of chilling silence. And one of the things that re- it reminds me of, and I'm going to go a little bit into communication uh, history here, uh, communication studies history a little bit. So for those that are not familiar, communication studies is a relatively new field. And the reason I bring this up is because that's my background, communication studies. But it was born out of a few different areas of study, sociology, psychology, things like that, but also World War II propaganda specifically. Because the thought was after World War One that hey propaganda really works it it didn't being shot at worked but propaganda eh, kinda well you know what's great for demoralizing soldiers is dying um, that Oof. that does right that yeah. they were like oh well what if we could socially engineer eh, sort of I bring that up because. Um, the Frankfurt School in Germany, which produced a lot of the foundational critical scholars, people who took a very uh, critical understanding of what power was operating within society, fled. they fled from the Frankfurt School to the United States, many of whom were Jewish, mm-hmm. right, Jewish intellectuals. One who comes to mind is uh, Theodore Adorno. Um, 
along with people like you know Walter Benjamin, who sadly did not make it out. He was unfortunately caught in um, at the Spanish border and uh, died prior to being able to get out. But the reason I bring this up is these people left what they saw. They saw the writing on the wall in the late '30s. Um, so they come to the United States and they're horrified to find that the United States is doing the same thing mm-hmm. in terms of propaganda, mm-hmm. right? It's not the Jewish community that they're demonizing, but it's propaganda all the same, and they recognize it for what it is. And so it is interesting to me that these um, these Jewish intellectuals, and I single out Adorno in part because he was a jerk who did not like popular stuff. He he thought that the only music worth listening to was classical, that everything else he was, was... He was the hipster of his time. He was. <laughs> He absolutely was. He probably would hate that you called him that, though. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's don't no, label me. He unironically, like you know, probably waxed his mustache or something like that. Is what I'm saying. Like <laughs> the guy was, but he was also a foundational thinker. So credit where credits due. But he thought, you know, like pop culture is literally degenerating masses and all that kind of stuff. He also did some foundational work on how we understand authoritarianism and its relationship to the home. Um, I saw that to say this. These people who had fled the uh, Nazi Germany out of fear of being persecuted because they were Jewish and because they were intellectuals uh, came to the United States and found the United States doing the same thing, just with a different angle and focus. And it's interesting then that people like Kirby, people like Simon or Schuster or Siegel, who were these very working class, um, working poor guys, were doing so much to counteract that by the very same media that these intellectuals were looking down their nose at, right? Yeah. Uh, Being able to capture that popular imagination in a way that was resonant not just with the Jewish community but with other people, with someone who didn't have any context for that kind of stuff could just pick it up and read and be interested. Um, I think I am, It's honestly, it's part of why I do TikTok because I think I think academia sort of Shoots itself in the foot, for lack of a better term, <laughs> when it comes to this sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, a lot well, of people I, think that... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no. It's, um, it makes me think about kind of um, last couple decades, controversy around communication studies and like you know, what is worthy of study, right? Like, why Mm -hmm. why would we study something like comic books or why would we study like just mainstream television, right? It's low art and Mm -hmm. it it, it seems rather um, unsophisticated. Mm -hmm. Why would we bother, you know? But the the reality is it it, it affects so many people. It's mass media. It is is in so many people's homes. It is preoccupying people's minds so much of the time. Why wouldn't we study that? The the great uh, the like the bulk of serious scholarship about comics doesn't come about until like the mid to late nineties. Yeah. Uh, and and every person at that time who's writing about it is like, look, it's not trash. Frederick Wortham was wrong and a bad bad man a bad working man. through some things. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. this this was a guy in the I think the fifties who really just had it in for comics and he was the worst. Yeah. He may have been Jewish, unfortunately. I'm not sure on that, but we're not going to claim him. <laughs> we're not going <laughs> to confirm or deny that. But yeah. I, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just I was just going to say I, I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, a lot of people will assume that comic books is just bam, pow, death ray, you know, uh, but Superman in his earliest comics, his villains were not 
fought like Lex Luthor. He was he was fighting against corrupt senators and businessmen in the in the middle of the Great Depression, you know. Uh, And like I said, Captain America against against the Nazis. And I mean, a Batman is kind of in his own category. He was kind of more I think of like a pulp kind of you know in his own Mm -hmm. in his own world. But but still, and and then you get into the '60s. I know you guys have talked about like the X Men and you know Spider Man. There are like Vietnam protests, you know, at his university Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. getting into uh, we can we can definitely go into you know like the '80s and '90s with like the legacy virus with the X Men and and they really used comics as a medium to really talk about social issues. Um, mm-hmm. Green Arrow and Green Lantern also comes to mind. You know, like this Absolutely. is this is this is there is an entertainment aspect for sure. But Stanley talked a lot about how this is a, not just pure escapism. You know, this is about. Uh, uh, what what is America? Who are we? Who who is good and who is evil? Right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. what, what is justice? Like, and that is huge in, in in our tradition as well. He even says like all people are created in the image of God. And I mean that is that is Genesis one that is shared not just by Judaism but by by many faiths. You know. Yeah. Um. So it's it is. I'm so glad that it's getting more attention. Um. And that we're talking about it. I think that the the recent surge with the MCU and and all of that's really interesting to me. We need superheroes now in a very different but maybe maybe similar kind of way also. no i think you're absolutely correct and it's um no coincidence that the people who are writing about this stuff the ones who do it really well tend to be the people who lived it who aren't just reading about it in theory and practice in, yeah. in theory and whatnot through the news the people who had these lived experiences and i absolutely agree with you and i want to put a pen right here because we're coming to the end of our time but we're going to continue this conversation. For us, it'll be five minutes. For the uh, listeners, it'll be a week. And I'm sorry that's the case, but it is what it is. So <laughs> um, just to conclude, I'll I'll give my you know identifiable social media stuff at the end. Uh, but uh, Lynette, I want to give you the opportunity to. Where can people find you? Awesome. Thank you. Um, so probably the best place to find me is uh, is on TikTok uh, at Rabbi Comics. Uh, and uh, I've only been I've only been on TikTok for a couple of months. It's kind of crazy, um, but I've, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm, I'm thinking about kind of ex- expanding my social media presence through that. So eventually, you might be able to find me uh, other places. But for now, uh, that is that is probably the the best place to find me, uh, Rabbi Comics on TikTok. All right, fantastic. Thank you very much. And uh, for people who are looking for where to find me, you can find me uh, on TikTok as well at. Uh, uh, doctor dot underscore C as well as on Twitter and Instagram at GA Cruz PhD. Um, I'm including this and I hope he hears it because my brother-in-law pointed out, Gabe, you don't say where people can find you. Thank you, Curtis. I hope you hear this now. No, it was actually good advice. I should listen to him more often. So, all right, we'll conclude here and uh, we'll pick it up with uh, the Jewish coding of characters um, in our next episode. So thanks everybody for stopping by.